Hi, I'm the person whose closet is put in color order, but I'll also pick up an earthworm without thinking twice. In fact, I did yesterday. <laughs> it needed my help. I'm not afraid to be a little messy. Human nature is messy, but nature nature can help us embrace it. I love the brand seventh generation. Their laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with the power of bioenzymes. That's exciting. You wipe your hands on your pants after you pick up an earthworm. Seventh generation is like, don't worry, hug a dirty tree, huff some bark. It's good for you. That is the power of seventh generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at seventhgeneration.com. I love worms. Oh, hi. Hey, it's still your brother-in-law who weighs his coffee beans, uh, but in a cool way, Allie Ward. And not only is this a day late, baby, but also this is the bonus episode that I promised you last week. So what? I turned around the neuropathology episode on concussions last week so fast, it just gave me additional whiplash. So I came to my senses and I said, Ward, go back to bed, sleep a little more. You bashed your skull and that's a great excuse. Use it. So here is the crisp, sunny follow-up episode about concussions, about MTBI, TBI, CTE, and the natural world in animals. And if you're like, I don't know what any of those acronyms are, they don't make sense. And you're also like, wait, dude, you recently sustained a severe hospital grade concussion, then you're going to want to beep beep mosey back to the neuropathology episode from last week. It's a really, really great one. Lots of asides about why I ended up in an ambulance a few weeks ago and consequently why this episode is two days late. TBIs, man. No joke. So this all just reached out after mine because she's a researcher in the field and in the lab and because Severe neurological damage like CTE can only really be detected on autopsy. Thus, it's a very controversial diagnosis in living people. A lot of folks butting heads about it. So she studies butting heads about it in bighorn sheep and musk oxen and all kinds of stuff. So she got her undergrad degree in the biology of organisms, populations, and ecosystems in France. She went to Antwerp and Vienna for her master's in comparative vertebrate morphology, and then went and got a ding-dang doctorate in evolutionary biology in Zurich, studying toothware on animals. And we recorded this a, a week or so ago, and she was rounding out her postdoc in the lab of your favorite functional morphologist, Dr. Joy Reidenberg at Mount Sinai in New York City. Great episode. I'll link it on my website. But her postdoc is wrapping up. So use the links in the show notes to also reach out to her if you are hiring someone rad because she is. Um, you can also use the links in the show notes to join patreon.com slash ologies where for a buck a month, you usually get to send questions for me to ask ahead of time except for this one because like a goat brain on a lab slab. It was supposed to be all cut up and used for last week's episode, but whatever. It was weird and fun and you deserve to hear the whole thing. So for $0 also, you can support the show and my very fragile sense of self by leaving a review. I read all of them. And here's a still moist, freshy one. It's gross. From someone by the name of Ranamatics who wrote the review, I gobble up almost every episode like a raccoon hits marshmallows. Also, thank you to the reviewer who said that their whole family watches Brainchild and listen to ologies and to get well soon. They wrote, please take care of yourself, Allie, which was so sweet. Um, that made me cry. And it was signed, huge fangs. And I don't know if they meant huge fans or not, but huge fangs, honestly, better, more fitting. Let's talk about, while we're on it, animals showing off by acquiring brain damage. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about bovid neuropathology. So get ready for the life of a retired ox 
the sliced and stained brain, how to build a better helmet using sheep skulls, and how not to do that, Twitter flame wars, wild boar wars, how a bunch of tangled proteins can really mess up a melon, what a melon actually is, and sea creature gossip, and the coolest cooler you will ever crack open with vertebrate morphologist, evolutionary biologist, and bovid neuropathologist, Dr. Nicole Ackermans. Oh my gosh, doctor, doctor headbutt. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Ellie. <laughs> it's Dr. Nicole Ackerman. So I go by she, her, but everyone calls me Nikki. Doctor headbutt it is. So tell me a little bit about how you ended up in, I guess, would this be functional morphology? Would this be like traumatic yeah. osteology? What, what would you call this field? <laughs> so I'm in my postdoc, I'm combining functional morphology and neuroscience. So the functional morphology part is the skull horns and head and movement part and the neuroscience part is the actual cellular brain damage part. And how do you even do this work? Do you have to go out into the <laughs> field? Do you have to find concussed bighorn sheep? How do you start? Yeah, so I asked myself the same question because obviously uh. <laughs> this no one kind of looked at this before. A lot of people are like, bighorn sheep don't get concussions. Turns out no one's checked. So I figured out I should probably go check. And unfortunately, I started all this in 2020. So there was no mm. field for me. But I had about a month where I started in January. So I had a few months before the pandemic to call up everyone I could possibly get a number for at Fish and Wildlife in any state where there was a bighorn sheep and say, hey, if you have a dead sheep, can you send it to me? Totally normal. Um, <laughs> so I can look at their brain. And I actually got like six sheep heads. From oh them. God. And they're all like natural deaths or like cougar kills or one of them broke its leg. So they had to euthanize it. So no sheep were killed for the purpose of my study. Nice. So the neuroscience part, they have a big walk-in fridge full of random animal brains and they happen to have muskox brains in there. Oh. So I just added those to my study as well. And what have you found looking at those brains? Do you have to put them in an MRI, in a CT scan? Yeah. So actually, first we did MRI scan them because if you have a very, very bad brain trauma, you might get regional shrinkage of different parts of your brain. I mean, at that point in a human, you have behavioral problems. But I just wanted to first check, OK, is the brain intact on the MRI? All of our MRIs were clean. And if you listened to the neuropathology episode last week, you might remember that even though I did concuss myself falling down a flight of stairs and then collapsed, and then convulsed, and then collapsed again. My CT scan was clean, and an MRI would have been totally fine looking A plus two. So those hospital machine big boys are helpful for seeing life-threatening emergency brain bleeds, but they don't tell the full microscopic story. For that, you need rest, and you also, to see it, need either a psychic wizard or a scientist with a hacksaw. Then, mm. once we had our pictures, I could go cut up the brain and take out a piece where I thought that there would be maybe some trauma, if it was even there at all, and look at that under the microscope. Mm -hmm. What did you find? 
Okay, here we go. So it was a very long process. I don't want to make it sound like simple. Like it took me a <laughs> year to first troubleshoot the technique to stain bighorn sheep brain because surprise, surprise, no one had stained a bighorn sheep brain before. And it uses immunohistochemistry. We're looking for a certain type of protein that kind of shows up when your brain gets damaged. And so I had to troubleshoot this this immunohistochemistry technique for about a year. But wow. I figured it out <laughs> eventually. This paper is actually currently under review. So it's a little bit breaking news, uh, but it's going to come out eventually. Mm -hmm. um, I found a few neurons actually first in the musk oxen, uh, which also butt their heads extremely hard. They were dead neurons and there were some sort of clumped up dendrites, which are like the neuron tails. And first of all, I was just excited to see just one of these. I mean, it's beautiful. It's like a big spider web under the microscope. It was perfectly stained. I was so happy. <laughs> wow. It takes a special and divine person to get giddy for musk ox head trauma. And we found her. And when she described the spider web of dead neurons, I was like, yes, spider web patterns. I think I know what she's talking about. She's probably talking about these subarachnoid hemorrhages that I read about. So I went to go see what they look like, stained under a microscope. And it turns out she was not talking about subarachnoid hemorrhages at all. Those are totally different things. They both just happen to look spiderwebby. And the arachnoid layer is a layer under the skull between the brain and there. It's kind of webby and it houses fluid that floats your brain. She wasn't talking about that at all. So a bleed there is what CT scans are looking for. But what Dr. Ackermans is talking about is zooming in and in and in way past the scope of a CT scan to see little knots of insoluble tau proteins. And then, you know, after that one single one, I kind of went further and did a really large amount of stains and counted them all by hand to see if there was sort of grouping of these dead neurons or dying neurons in, in certain areas. Because mm -hmm. if it was just like Alzheimer's, it could be sort of more dying neurons on the surface going deeper and deeper as the disease gets worse. But if it's traumatic injury, the forces that are applied to the head when when there's an injury kind of go into the folds of the brain and mm -hmm. rip the cells at the bottom of these folds. And I actually found groups of, they're called neurofibrillary tangles, but pathological neurons at the bottoms of these folds. And so that showed for sure that it was brain trauma, actually. So after a life of headbutting or tackling or just thumping your skull on stuff, I guess like me, those tiny tube-filled towels ball up. And Nikki says that she's finding them kind of like you would necklaces at the bottom of your purse, just these delicate clots of problems. But why? Why? And how do you think evolution kind of selected for this behavior in especially breeding males, even though yeah. it might lead to brain trauma? Yeah, this is my question to myself as well. I have some theories. Um, I guess, you know, the goal of life, this is going to seem really simple, but the goal of life is just sex. It's reproduction, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, maybe not you personally, but Mother Nature is just a tunnel-visioned, horny ghost inside each and every one of us. So once you get to that point, if you're able to reproduce and pass on your genetic material, if you have dementia or if you're a bit, you know, damaged in the brain, it doesn't really matter mm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, 
one of my theories is just that, well, it doesn't matter. They don't live that long anyway. They might not develop dementia or Alzheimer's like we do in relation to these kind of illnesses. And I'm sorry, I know you just got a concussion, so <laughs> yeah. I don't want to freak you out. <laughs> Although I'm sure the other experts you talk to freak you out enough already. But <laughs> a bit. yeah, my, my theory is that maybe, first of all, maybe they don't live long enough to actually have really bad side effects. And second of all, maybe it just doesn't matter because like their life is not really, really complex. I mean, mm -hmm. no, no disrespect to bighorn sheep. I love them, but they eat, they, you know, evade predators and they reproduce. So, you know, mm -hmm. they don't need to do puzzles and memory games. <laughs> what about, how do you think that those type of neurological impacts, how do you think it does affect them? Do you think that there's any loss of coordination or balance? You know, I would love to know. It's, we, barely have a behavioral scale for mice like it's established in mice but almost no other species has a scientific behavioral scale so we don't have a baseline to say this is normal behavior and then based on that what is different behavior um the only sort of hint that i have that something might be different is when i talk to the folks at the muskox farm in alaska they have a bull muskox who's like 27 years old which is like twice his normal lifespan and mm -hmm. apparently he just hangs out in his field and stares into the distance all day. <laughs> hey, you okay, buddy? So <laughs> I'm guessing there might be a little bit of uh, something going on there, but I would love to have, you know, someone go out into the field and observe and see if they're, you know, over the years, if they act differently. I'm assuming it would, it would show like in humans, you'd kind of have memory issues. You'd have, yeah, loss of coordination. Um, but one thing is for sure is that if they had a human head, they would not survive. Uh, it's, it is actually their big skulls and horns that help, even though they do get brain trauma, it helps protect them for long enough. So horns and skulls, ultimate helmets for hoofed and cud-chewing pugilists who are motivated by sweet lovemaking. Are there animals that aren't ruminants that do that? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. This is so exciting. It's really exciting. Okay. You're, this is going to blow your mind. So I actually wrote a, a little bit of a review about this last year during quarantine. So whales, whales headbutt. What? We're pretty sure. Yeah. And like almost every group of whales has been either observed or just written about headbutting. The review that I published has a picture of two bottlenose dolphins jumping out of the air and headbutting each other midair. What the fuck? So the... That blew my mind that had just suffered a blow. So a little more on that. What other ocean animals bean each other with their literal melons? A melon apparently is a squishy part of a whale head. And we're going to get to that in one second. But first, we're going to take a really, really quick break from our sponsors who allow us to donate to a cause of Nikki's choosing. And she selected the Society for Women's Health Research. And she said, as a biologist, I'm constantly running into illnesses that are poorly researched in women if even studied at all, concussions fall into that category. So I hope it's fitting. So the Society for Women's Health Research promotes research on biological sex differences in disease to improve women's health through science and policy and education. So thank you for helping us slam some cash into their hands. There's more at swhr.org, and I'll link that in the show notes. So thanks, sponsors. 
This podcast and my life is brought to you by Squarespace. Do you know that I didn't have a website for forever because I was putting it off because I was scared? And then I heard another podcast talk about Squarespace. I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I had a website up that day. They have beautiful templates. They host. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Look at me. Even I did it. You can sell products. You can sell your time. They have this guided design system. It's called Squarespace Blueprint. You can select from a layout. There are styling options. You can get your website discovered with these integrated, optimized SEO tools so people find you when they Google. They also have easy-to-use payment tools, so checkout, very easy for customers, which is what you want. There's also Squarespace AI, which can help you explain what your site is about. You can choose your tone. Whether you're a scientist who wants to share your work with the world, whether you are starting up a business selling tiny paintings of tiny books, or a choreographer selling dance classes, head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash ologies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. I recommend it to all my friends, even when I'm not recording an ad. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, Therapy. Therapists can help you dump out your bag and work through the heavy garbage that's weighing you down, in my case at least. I've used BetterHelp. They have definitely helped me understand that pushing my feelings down does not actually make them go away. It makes them feel worse. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible. It's suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's so much faster and easier than trying to hunt down a therapist from just online listings and cold calling. That's one thing I love about BetterHelp. And if for any reason you're not vibing with your therapist, you can switch anytime, no additional charge, no drama. So unburden yourself and trauma dump onto someone who's trained for this. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ologies. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allie's love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. Kiwi goes like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. You know what's essential to science? 
It's not a lab coat. It's skepticism. You know me. I'm down rabbit holes. I'm looking at charts. I'm checking conflicts of interest at the bottom of published papers. And this is helpful because it means I don't buy stuff I don't need. And if you're one of me that can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from like a mile away and you read labels like it's your job, congrats. You're a skeptic. One brand of vitamins that is literally made for us is called Ritual. It's a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. They have clinically backed Essential for Women 18+. Plus. It has high-quality, traceable ingredients. They're in clean, bioavailable forms. They're also a certified B Corp, female-founded. Just today, one of my powerhouse friends was like, ah, found out I'm vitamin D deficient. I was like, yo, ritual, dude. When I forget my multivitamins, there's much less pep in my step. I have noticed. They're also very beautiful. They look like tiny lava lamps with little tiny beads in them. There's actually a scientific reason for this, but I got to wrap it up. So no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Get that D. Okay, back into it. Dolphins and whales who butt each other in the head like they're in a Vin Diesel movie. So in her paper, Dr. Ackermans cites that the ramming behavior has been observed in sperm whales, narwhals, humpback whales, bottlenose whales, bottlenose dolphins, and orcas. And she writes, quote, in pilot whales, unusual skull structures may even act as a form of antlers inside the head. What? So... We need so many cetology episodes, given that these things evolved out of the water to dry land, hung around on dry land, hoofed around, romped around, munching on grass, and maybe, like deer, eating birds. Michael, he ate a bird. And then they bounced back to the water, and they modded their already modded fins from legs back to flippers, and dolphins have bigger brains than us four to five times larger than we'd expect them to be for their size. Which, by the way, did you know that dolphins can be like 11 feet long? I feel like no one has ever told me that. Anyway, relative to that body size, they are the second most encephalized animals on the planet, which is a sentence I read recently that was written by the most encephalized species on the planet. But yes, why the headbutting? Why, 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 why? And one of the ideas is that this is maybe a conserved practice between all of the artiodactyls, because whales, you know, are part of the artiodactyl hoofed animal family. Mm-hmm. So that's super exciting. <laughs> why do you, wh- any idea why they might do that? Same as with the bighorn sheep and the other male animals, it's fighting for females and showing oh like which male has the superior genetics to be able to survive that, basically. It's wild. There's a type of wild forest hog that headbutts, and it makes a crazy loud noise. And there are uh, hornbills. They fly into each other's heads in midair. So I wanted to name those guys because it's pretty cool. (laughs) So Nikki's 2021 paper is titled Unconventional Animal Models for Traumatic Brain Injury and Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. And in it, she notes that this clash has been described by other researchers watching hogs, and it produces a loud cracking sound. And she even included and cited a YouTube link. Naturally, I clicked it as fast as my fingers allowed. And let me set the scene, okay? We open on a springtime hillside, serving as a verdant arena for two shaggy tusked contenders. They look like a cross between a farm pig and a warthog. 
but also oh. wearing a ghillie suit. And they oh. scratch at the soil beneath them and then oh. run at each other's skulls over and over. And the weirdest part is that their tails are wagging so much. And I don't know if that just means they're excited or amped up or if they love it. Whatever, they're relentless. And in her paper, Nikki writes, quote, on rare occasions, these head clashes can result in skull fractures and even death, raising the question of the cost that these fights take on the hog's neuroanatomy. Perhaps, she continues, similarly to the thick fat pad found between a sheep's horns, the giant forest hog's facial pads serve both as a means of protection and as a sexual signal. So in the wild, with a fatty sexy brain cushion, and some bony helmets, individuals prove their merit before a hopefully receptive and, I guess, ovulating audience. So next time you're out there and you're witnessing a soggy, beer-soaked kerfuffle at a bar, just be glad no one in there is growing knives out of their temples. can get real gnarly. I mean, is it so impossible for you to watch like a boxing match or like a UFC match with Dude, friends and not? Yes, do I, I cringe every time something happens. And because every time you get a concussion or a brain injury, it's an exponential curve towards potential future problems like dementia, Alzheimer's, PTSD, seizures. It's like, why doesn't anyone fight by just bumping butts together? You know, why can't they do it where they, we've got so much flesh and no brain? There might be some species of sea slug that does that. I don't know. <laughs> Do any animals pierce each other's heads with their phalluses in dick-to-dick -dick combat, you ask? Of course they do. This is Earth. But just be glad that it was Twilight and not the 2015 paper Cephalotraumatic Secretion Transfer and a Hermaphroditic Sea Slug that inspired Fifty Shades of Grey. Because slugs are out there and they are stabbing each other in the head with their dicks and putting secretions in there. Babies. Is there anything that you have to kind of cross-reference at all with human impacts, or is it just impossible to even extrapolate this information into Oh, yeah, humans? yeah. A lot of the cellular stuff is really similar to humans. And honestly, that's all I have to work off of because, like I said, not a lot of other people are looking at this. There's a lot of artificial-induced traumatic brain injury in sheep to study the development. But it's really hard to study in humans, too, because a lot of the data comes from postmortem brains. You can't really take a brain biopsy <laughs> while someone's alive. So we're we're developing new techniques as, you know, as as uh, technology gets better. But the, the actual overall data out there is not a lot. But I do use a lot of the human stuff to try and compare and, and prove that that is indeed what's going on. Do you have to put a call out on like the worldwide sheep brain web where you've asked more people? Do you think the more that your information becomes public or when this paper gets published, you'll be able to get more samples? First of all, I think we need to trademark that because I, I need a worldwide sheep web because I wish it was that easy to get samples. I I don't know. I don't think there really is a system to get samples like that. I just called Fish and Wildlife because I happen to be in the U.S., but um, I don't know. It's really interesting for this topic because it's something that everyone internally thinks, oh, yeah, bighorn sheep headbutting concussions like that totally makes sense. But it's not something that a lot of people are willing to investigate because there's not a huge like financial gain behind it. I mean, 
part of it is for me is like understanding headbutting in all animals helps the human science and maybe we can learn from bighorn sheep to help humans but it's not like i'm gonna sell a helmet to the nfl right off the mm -hmm. bat i mean nfl please call me but like i don't, I don't know if that's gonna happen so i'd love to get more samples uh if there are people out there with bighorn sheep samples send them to me but it's uh it's that's the hardest part yeah i bet do you find that there's a lot of controversy when it comes to concussions or TBI or MTBI or CTE? I didn't, I was not plugged into that subculture at all before I ate shit down the stairs. But Oof. yeah, like, what is there a lot? Are there a lot of differing opinions based on what is making money? I have opinions. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, I know there's a lot of sort of pseudoscience people that freak out about it. Actually, on, on our Twitter thread, I think that happened. It was weird. It was weird. And we had one tweeter keep popping up in the replies like a fucking marmot with comments about how football should not take the blame for any CTE and that all the impact athletes with postmortem evidence of CTE likely just happened to get it elsewhere. Like, coincidentally, this person also had the emoji of a football in the bio. Anyway, Dr. Ackerman's Nicole, a wonderful person to follow on Twitter. So you can tweet and ask her about how woodpeckers have more accumulations of tau proteins compared to non-pecking bird species. And Dr. Ackerman's will even do things like treat her followers to a 25-part thread on how to deflesh a skull, should you need to. Mm -hmm. But I try to avoid that. I like stick to my sheep so I don't have to deal with the human part. I understand why people freak out. It's scary. Um, there are some people, for me, it's really frustrating is the biomechanics area where they use this sort of bio inspired materials. They think, like I said, bighorn sheep don't get concussions because sheep are amazing and like they're perfect. And then they don't actually look at the biological background, but they create devices based on this without, you know, looking at the basic science. One example is the Q-collar. I don't know if you've looked into this yet. Mm -mm. Um, so do take a look at the controversy behind the Q-collar. It's this collar that goes around your neck and sort of tightens around your veins and arteries. And it's supposed to, okay, the basic idea is that it's supposed to increase the pressure in your head, similar to the arterial pressure of a bighorn sheep because they live in altitude and they have higher pressure and this causes less concussions. Oh, in no. theory, if you didn't know any biology, this would be a great idea. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, no one's arterial pressure increases that high, even if you're on the top of Machu Picchu. Um, I guess they didn't Google that. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. So the problem is this made it to the popular science and the actual paper got a lot of traction and without people, you know, thinking this could actually be dangerous to football players and youth athletes because it's based on a faulty premise. Although mm -hmm. I will have a sort of other thing to say about this is that it may work for other reasons, uh, including maybe a sort of placebo effect that you feel protected because you have this on mm -hmm. and that, but we don't know. They're like testing it but there's a, I don't know, this really frustrated me because it could be dangerous and people didn't bother to look at the real science behind it. Mm -hmm. and this is my own personal vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> um, every time I see a paper where they say, big or cheap, don't get brain trauma. I'm like, no, shake my computer. Oh. <laughs> but to their credit, I haven't published yet. So... <laughs> and how are they when when people say that bighorn sheep don't get brain trauma obviously you know from looking at it firsthand that that's false but also from what i understand concussions have to be clinically diagnosed so unless you're mm -hmm. a bighorn sheep's doctor asking about mm -hmm. symptoms 
you can't diagnose a bighorn sheep with a concussion because you can't have them fill out a form, right? Ali, that is exactly correct. And, you know, sometimes in humans, they get up and walk away and you think they're perfectly fine. So how would you even tell in a sheep where, yeah, they look Mm -hmm. fine, but like, I don't know, what does a fine sheep look like? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. You can't ask them if they're experiencing any dizziness or tingling in the limbs necessarily, you know? Yeah. What do you think is the hardest part or the most frustrating part about the work? I mean, we've just talked about, you know, flim flam and making helmets and face safety gear that are not sound, but anything else that's just gets your goat. Mm. I get really impatient when it comes to writing grants (laughs) because you don't always have a success rate Uh, and it takes a really lot of time and people kind of think that your ideas are dumb because like for my stuff, it's not immediately saving the world. So obviously no money is coming my way. Mm -hmm. And uh, the job market kind of sucks when you're an (laughs) academic. I know you've covered this with a lot of other guests before. Ah, yes. The broken system of academia. Do you suffer and help change it? Or do you take care of your mental and physical well-being? Let's look at the bright side. What about the stuff that gets you really excited about your work? Oh, I'm I'm obsessed with evolution. I think it's so crazy like that it works. <laughs> like basically mm-hmm. that the world is just random chaos. And eventually if you throw enough pasta to the wall, it like sticks <sighs> and that makes an animal. Like that's so cool. <laughs> and every day... Even actually from your podcast, every time I listen to a different expert, I found out some weird thing that I think I wasn't going to care about, about like spider claws or something. And then Mm -hmm. it's a whole new world of awesome things that are going on. So I'm just excited about it every day. And animals are awesome. (laughs) It's just so cool to think that we're just a collection of successful mutations, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's just like something mutated. It happened to work for the time and the place we're at and go, you know? I always think about that when you think about luck or or success. It's just Mm -hmm. a lot of mutations on mutations on mutations. And then when you look at something like comparative evolution where uh, you have like a Tasmanian tiger compared to a dingo and they look exactly the same. They have almost the same tooth pattern, the same size, the same limbs, and they're not related at all. One's a mammal, like a placental mammal, and one's a marsupial. And meanwhile, they look almost exactly the same and proof that evolution is pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. It's like formed by the different habitats, but I don't know. It just, it's just fascinating. Oh, and one more question. When someone sends you a sheep head, what kind mm-hmm. of box does that come in? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Um, usually it's in a cooler filled with ice and really tightly duct taped. It actually worked really well. I got it FedEx overnight last time and it was still fresh when I got it because um, brains have an expiration date. You want them fresh. If you freeze them, the crystals can kind of damage your sample depending on the technique you're doing. So under 36 hours is best. What? So I got it shipped overnight and it, it worked. So that's the, what? what I do now. It was a whole head, by the way. <laughs> Did the Fish and Wildlife Department just say like we happen to have like a freshly dead one? Like right yeah. here? I just gave them all my number and I said, when a sheep dies, call me. And then they did. And I was at the Met at the time, I think. And I was like, okay, uh, send me the sheep. <laughs> and oh it, was, my God. Uh, it was exciting. I love the idea that the FedEx person has it on a dolly, just getting it up to your floor. <laughs> it, yeah, that's, I mean, we have a pretty wild zoo of brains that come in and out. We work a lot with whales as well. Um, as you know, Joy is a whale specialist. And the problem with that is the 36-hour time frame because once they die and they beach it's usually quite soupy in there so we're looking at explosions for brain trauma and whales too but it's really hard to get good samples for those guys 
Oh my God, never use whale and explosion in the same sentence again. (laughs) So ask bighorn experts big horny questions about why they destroy their brains for sex. The bighorns do that, not the experts. But honestly, the experts love talking about it. So learn more about Dr. Ackerman's at NicoleAckermans.com, which is linked in the show notes. Learn more about systems biology guest Dr. Emily Ackerman, not related, whose episode is also linked in the show notes. Uh, Nicole's Twitter handle is Ackerman's Nicole, where she goes by Dr. Sheep, which should definitely be Dr. Headbutt, whatever. She also has a monthly podcast interviewing older folks about their unexpected life stories, and it's called Granny Stories. You can find out more about the Society for Women's Health Research at swhr.org. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Ologies. I'm at Allie Ward with one L on both. Uh, Thank you, Erin Talbert, who admins the Ologies Podcast Facebook group with help from Bonnie Dutch and Shannon Feltis of the You Are That podcast. Thanks, Noelle Dilworth and Susan Hale for all the -the behind-the-scenes help from social media wrangling to scheduling and merch. Thank you to Emily White of The Wordery for making our professional transcripts, Caleb Patton for bleeping them. Thanks to Kelly R. Dwyer for making my website she can make yours too and to Stephen Ray Morris and of course Zeke Rodriguez-Thomas for helping edit Smology's episodes which are short classroom safe versions of the classics we just posted number nine which was Lidology with Dr. Jane McGonigal so that is up in your feed in case you have kiddos or you don't like asides there's fewer asides in it anyway um, of course thank you to lead editor and fresh mullet haver Jarrett Sleeper of Mindjet Media for stitching it all together every week sometimes many times a week often on a tight deadline. Happy birthdays to Dr. Sarah McAttack McAnulty. You can listen to her episodes on Squids. You can tell her you love her on the 16th. Happy birthday, McKerns and Sofaloaf as well. Nick Thorburn wrote and performed the theme music. And if you stick around until the end of the episode, I'll tell you a secret. And this week, it's that when it comes to doing skincare routines, I'm horrible at it. I hate it. I resent it. I don't like it. Oftentimes, I don't remember what order to put things in. You got to use a toner and a serum and a moisturizer. I don't know what goes on when. What about retinol? I guess you don't use the sunscreen at night. Anyway, I don't know. And I was just thinking it would be dope to have a sticker kind of like the ones that go on bananas and with like a sun and a moon on it and you can write a number. So at a glance, you could just remember what things go in what orders at what time of day. Anyway, It's only a secret at the end because I will either never do this and I just wanted to tell someone about it or I will do this immediately and maybe I'll put it in the merch store if other people are like, I could use those. I don't know. Also, thanks for bearing with the lateness last few weeks as I readjust to life when things are expected of my bruisey brain totally feeling better. I'm just kind of slow moving. So maybe algae will begin to coat my hair like a fine mossy halo. We can only hope. Okay, bye-bye. Saw my headbutt, huh?